This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live, where we are on about an hour early. Because we will be covering the return of Dark Brandon, apparently. Uh, I almost called him Brandon. Joe Biden set to give a speech on protecting democracy. Still on the road. Was in New York. Tones, good evening, my friend. Please be safe out there if you are riding in the Tesla with the autopilot going. It, it worries me when you're doing that. Oh, Tone's going to be home before we get to the New Hampshire debate here in a few minutes. At 8 o'clock, we will be covering the New Hampshire Senate debate between Democratic incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan. I I have to apologize. I've been calling her Maggie Hassan. I've been saying her name wrong. (laughs) This is New Hampshire, and this is a white woman. It's Maggie Hassan. Not Hassan. (laughs) Maggie Hassan. Me pronounce a name wrong? No, no way. Democratic incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan debating the Republican nominee Doug Bulduk, who is a hardcore Trumper, batshit crazy Republican. So this should be fun, but also it's New Hampshire. New Hampshire is kind of weird up there in New England. It's it's kind of like a solid blue area. However, New Hampshire likes to. Uh, to buck the system has a real libertarian bent to it. So the Senate debate should be really fun. This should be really fun. But before we get to that, the top of the hour, we're going to be covering the speech of President Joe Biden. Let me go ahead. Did I hit the commercials on? Yeah, I hit the commercials on Twitch. So hopefully you'll get the whole Biden speech without interruption. Then we have a short news rundown for later. We're going to be talking about some new shit. One of the things I want to talk about is... Back, it would have been last year, probably. Maybe it was earlier this year. The Disinformation Governance Board, and I kind of laughed at the uh, right-wing assessment of it. Now we have actual reporting coming out about DHS's use of social media... Surprise, surprise, it's not actually the Biden administration doing it. This shit's been going on for years. We're going to refer to The Intercept. Fantastic reporting by Ken Klippenstein for The Intercept. We're going to read that piece here in a little while. Former Intercept reporter Grin... I'm not high enough for this shit. Former Intercept reporter, founder of The Intercept, no longer there... Went on with uh, Tucker Carlson last night to talk about the Paul Pelosi attacker, which apparently was videoed. We we, we found out today uh, that there was security footage, but the security cameras weren't being monitored. Oh, it's a Sonata. I thought you had a Tesla for some reason. I'm sorry. I So if you're just cruising on an interstate, I would trust it. That's that's different. That's different than you know, uh, city driving, which we have seen many accidents. Phoebe, good evening. Were you not here? Were you not here for the unveiling of the new look? Same great troll taste last night. 
trying to give the people what they want, responding to criticisms. So one of the biggest criticisms I faced was that my graphics were, were too much. They were too busy, too much going on on, sc- on screen. So we've, we've tried to take that into consideration and change it. Still working out a few of the kinks. I'm afraid that like my logo down there at the bottom might be covering uh, closed captioning. I'm, I'm thinking the the chat and my camera are going to switch sides. Because as, as we were doing this last night, I kept noticing that when we're watching videos from like CNBC or Fox, they tend to put the talking person on the right and the video that they're talking about on the left. So last night, the talking head kept having the chat over them. So I may switch things. And if you, if you notice that the chat is on the other side, my camera is on right side, left side. I don't know how you guys are facing. Stage right. No, stage left. (laughs) Bugging it up over here. Sorry, sorry. But it yells at you uh, if you don't keep your hands on the wheel. Well, it should. It should. Oh, let me give you your meme of the day before we get over here to Dark Brandon. This is our last Halloween meme. I just stumbled on this one. It really made me laugh, so I wanted to show it to you. We are waiting. Uh, I've got it up on NBC News right now. Biden delivers address on protecting democracy. My God, I hope he's out in front of something that has red lights and blue lights all over the fucking place. (laughs) I want to see the right-wing heads explode again. Phoebe, it's okay. So I was, when I first started doing like work from home, uh, um, video editing, I had 16 gigs of RAM. That really wasn't enough to, to do what I needed it to do. And I couldn't have possibly streamed this with 16 gigs of RAM. Then I bumped up to 32 gigs of RAM. I don't think 32 gigs of like 32 gigs of RAM might be able to handle something simple, but like with the with the graphics I'm sporting and shit, like it takes the 64 gigs of RAM that I've got going on right here. Now this layout, this layout is using a lot less uh, CPU power than the old one. What up, Sky Comet? We are currently awaiting remarks from Dark Brandon. Biden delivers address on protecting democracy. It's supposed to take place any minute now. Any minute now. We'll flip over whenever we see news. Here we go. We're going to go take Biden here the third highest ranking official in America. He carried in his backpack zip ties, duct tape, rope, and a hammer. As he told the police, he had come looking for Nancy Pelosi to take her hostage, to interrogate her, to threaten to break her kneecaps. But she wasn't there. Her husband, my friend Paul Pelosi, was home alone. 
The assailant tried to take Paul hostage. He woke him up. He wanted to tie him up. The assailant ended up using a hammer to smash Paul's skull. Thankfully, by the grace of God, Paul survived. All this happened after the assault. And it just, I, it's hard to even say. It's hard to even say. After the assailant entered the home asking, Come on, man. Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th, when they broke windows, kicked in the doors, brutally attacked law enforcement, roamed the corridors, hunting for officials, and erected gallows to hang the former vice president, Mike Pence. It was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the past two years. Even before January the 6th, we saw election officials and election workers in a number of states subject to menacing calls, physical threats, even threats to their very lives. In Georgia, for example, Republican Secretary of State and his family were subjected to death threats because he refused to break the law and give in to the defeated president's demand, just find him 11,780 votes. Just find me 11,780 votes. Election workers like Shea Moss and her mother, Ruby Freeman, were harassed and threatened just the truth to stand up for our democracy. This institution, this intimidation, this violence against Democrats, Republicans, and nonpartisan officials just doing their jobs are the consequence of lies told for power and profit, lies of conspiracy and malice, Lies repeated over and over to generate a cycle of anger, hate, vitriol, and even violence. In this moment, we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. My fellow Americans, we're facing a defining moment, an inflection point. We must, with one overwhelming, unified voice, speak as a country and say there's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America, whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. He didn't no mention place, the period, candidate no in Pennsylvania. Place ever. I speak today near Capitol Hill, near the U.S. Capitol, the citadel of our democracy. I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections from our economy the safety of our streets, to our personal freedoms, the future of health care, Social Security, Medicare. It's all important. But we'll have our differences. We'll have our difference of opinion. And that's what it's supposed to be. But there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown that overwhelming majority of Americans 
believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. They too see that democracy is on the ballot this year, and they're deeply concerned about it. So today, I appeal to all Americans, regardless of party, to meet this moment of national and generational importance. We must vote, knowing what's at stake and not just the policy of the moment, but institutions that have held us together as we sought a more perfect union are also at stake. We must vote knowing who we have been, what we're at risk of becoming. Look, my fellow Americans, the old expression, freedom is not free. Buck 73. Vigilance. From the very beginning, nothing has been guaranteed about democracy in America. Every generation has had to defend it, protect it, preserve it, choose it. For that's what democracy is. It's a choice, a decision of the people, by the people, and for the people. The issue couldn't How be clearer. We get here. We not my beautiful house. decide whether we'll have fair and free not elections. not my beautiful wife. And every vote counts. We, the people, must decide whether we're going to sustain a republic where reality is accepted, the law is obeyed, and your vote is truly sacred. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we'll allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power, put ahead of the principles that we've we long guided. We know about those dark us. forces thirsting for power. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. He refuses to accept the will of the people. He refuses to accept the fact that he lost. He has abused his power and put the loyalty to himself before loyalty to the Constitution. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party, the minority of that party. The great no, irony no, they are the not. 2020 election is that it's the most attacked election in our history. And yet, and yet, there's no election in our history that we can be more certain of its results. Every legal challenge that could have been brought was brought. Every recount that could have been undertaken was undertaken. Every recount confirmed the results. Wherever fact or evidence had been demanded, the big lie has been proven to be just that, a big lie, every single time. Yet now, extreme MAGA Republicans aim to question not only the legitimacy of past elections, but elections being held now and into the future. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but is this driving force, is trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Instead of waiting until an election is over, they're starting well before it. They're starting now. 
They've been involved in violence and intimidation of voters and election officials. It's estimated that there are more than 300 election deniers on the ballot all across America this year. I'd say the number's higher than that. We can't ignore the impact this is having on our country. It's damaging, it's corrosive, and it's destructive. And I want to be very clear, this is not about me. It's about all of us. It's about what makes America, America. It's about the durability of our democracy. For democracies are more than a form of government. I think it's it's bad politics for them not to paint the entire Republican Party with the brush of Trump. The way that defines who we are, what we believe, why we do what we do. Democracy is simply that fundamental. We must, in this moment, dig deep within ourselves and recognize that we can't take democracy for granted any longer. With democracy on the ballot, we have to remember these first principles. Democracy means the rule of the people, not the rule of monarchs or the moneyed, but the rule of the people. Autocracy is the I opposite. agree. That's why we should try democracy it in this country. It means the rule of one. One person, one interest, one ideology, one party. To state the obvious, the lives of billions of people from antiquity till now have been shaped by the battle between these competing forces, between the aspirations of the many and the greed and power of the few, between the people's right for self-determination and the self-seeking autocrat between the dreams of a democracy and the appetites of an autocracy. What we're doing now is going to determine whether democracy will long endure. It, in my view, is the biggest of questions. Whether the American system that prizes the individual, bends towards justice, and depends, depends on the rule of law, whether that system will prevail. This is the struggle we're now in. A struggle for democracy. They're going to read no matter what he says. A struggle for decency and dignity. A struggle for prosperity and progress. A struggle for the very soul of America itself. Make no mistake, democracy is in the ballot for all of us. We must remember that democracy is a covenant. We need to start looking out for each other again. Seeing ourselves as we the people not as entrenched enemies. This is a choice we can make. Disunion and chaos are not inevitable. There's been anger before in America. There's been division before in America. But we've never given up on the American experiment. We can't do that now. The remarkable thing about American democracy is this. Just enough of us on just enough occasions have chosen not to dismantle democracy, but to preserve democracy. We must choose that path again. Because democracy is in the ballot, we have to remember that even in our darkest moments, there are fundamental values and beliefs that unite us as Americans. Mom, can we have democracy? And they must unite us now. We have democracy at home. Well, I think first... We believe the vote in America is sacred, to be honored, 
not denied, respected, not dismissed, counted, not ignored. A vote is not a partisan tool to be counted when it helps your candidates and tossed aside when it doesn't. Second, we must, with an overwhelming voice, stand against political violence and voter intimidation, period. Stand up and speak against it. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot, a mob, or a bullet, or a hammer. Have you read an American history we book? Peaceably at the battle at the battle box, the ballot box. We have to be honest with ourselves, though. We have to face this problem. You're we not can't being turn away from it. We can't pretend it's just going to solve itself. There's an alarming rise in the number of our people in this country condoning political violence or simply remaining silent because silence is complicity. The disturbing rise of voter intimidation, the pernicious tendency to excuse political violence or at least, at least trying to explain it away. We can't allow this sentiment to grow. We must confront it head on now. It has to stop now. I believe the voices excusing or calling for violence and intimidation are distinct minority in America, but they're loud and they are Clinically, determined. good evening. We have to be more determined. All of us who reject political violence and voter intimidation, and I believe that's the overwhelming majority of the American people, all of us must unite to make it absolutely clear that violence and intimidation have no place in America. And third, we believe in democracy. That's who we are as Americans. I know it isn't easy. Democracy is imperfect. It always has been. But we are all called to defend it now, now. History and common sense tell us that liberty, yeah, opportunity, are a minority as well. In democracy, not in an autocracy. At our best, America is not a zero-sum society where for you to succeed, someone else has to fail. The promise of America is big enough. It's big enough for everyone to succeed. Every generation. No, 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 no. That is the, that is the opposite of how capitalism wider. works, actually. Every generation, including those who have been excluded before. We believe... We should leave no one behind, because each one of us is a child of God. And every person, every person is sacred. If that's true, then every person's rights must be sacred as well. Individual dignity, individual worth, individual determination, that's America. That's democracy. And that's what we have to defend. Look, even as I speak here tonight, 27 million people have already cast their ballot in the midterm elections. Millions more will cast their ballots in the final days leading up to November the 9th, 8th, excuse me. And for the that first time, in. this is the first time since the national elections of 2020. Once again, we're seeing record turnout all over the country. And that's good. We want Americans to vote. We want every American's voice to be heard. 
Now we have to move the process forward. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or That's by mail in America. And we know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases we won't know the winner of the election for a few days until after, a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. It's always been important for citizens in democracy to be informed and engaged. Now it's important for citizens to be patient as well. That's how it's supposed to work. This is also the first election since the events of January 6th, when the armed angry mob stormed the U.S. Capitol. I wish, I wish I could say the assault on a democracy had ended that day, but I cannot. As I stand here today, there are candidates running for every level of office in America, for governor, Congress, attorney general, secretary of state, who won't commit, they will not commit to accepting the results of elections that they're running in. This is a path to chaos in America. It's unprecedented. It's unlawful. And it's un-American. As I've said before, you can't love your country only when you win. This is no ordinary year. So I ask you to think long and hard about the moment we're in. In a typical year, we're often not faced with questions of whether the vote we cast will preserve democracy or put us at risk. But this year we are. This year, I hope you'll Make Body, that has been every election part in my lifetime. To vote and how you vote. I hope you'll ask a simple question of each candidate you might vote for. At least for. in my adult life. Will that person accept the legitimate will of the American people, of the people voting in his district or her district? Will that person accept the outcome of the election, win or lose? The answer to that question is vital. And in my opinion, it should be decisive. And the answer to that question hangs the future of the country we love so much and the fate of the democracy that has made so much possible for us. Too many people have sacrificed too much for too many years for us to walk away from the American project and democracy. Because we've enjoyed our freedoms for so long, it's easy to think they'll always be with us no matter what. But that isn't true today. In our bones. We know democracy well, Women have at only risk. been able to vote we for also like 100 uh, plus it's years, our power, some change. Each and every one of us to preserve our democracy. And I've had these freedoms for so long. I think I know the Civil Rights Act passed in the 60s. I know we will. You have the power. It's your choice. It's your decision. The fate of the nation, the fate of the soul of America lies where it always does with the people. In your hands, in your heart. Buddy, everybody in this country ballot. wasn't even free when you were a kid. My fellow Americans, we'll meet this moment. We just need to remember who we are. Come on, man. We are the United States of America. There's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. May God bless you all. May God protect our troops. May God bless. Bless those standing guard over our democracy. Thank you.
Godspeed. That's my problem with this speech is it wasn't Bert Brandon. I was wanting the return of Dark Brandon. But no. We got Biden's moderate dog and pony show again. Is this in the? I guess it's in the White House. Well, there you have it. Uh, we will be taking the New Hampshire Senate debate here in a few minutes. But I guess we're going to do some. Uh, we'll get, we're going to do some news before we do that. I was expecting Brandon to go uh, a little bit longer than that. I didn't think I was going to have to fill this much until we get to the. New Hampshire Senate debate at the top of the hour between Democratic incumbent Maggie Hassan and the Republican nominee, Doug Bullock. I like saying both their names. Maggie Hassan, Doug Bullock. <laughs> uh, well, let me bullshit for a little bit here. This was your meme of the day. Anybody that snuck in here that I didn't say hey to? Hey to all the lurkers that are in here. Mox, good evening. I don't know if I, I hit you up. Mox, you're the poll for the Fetterman Oz race. I can't imagine that Puppy Killer Oz is going to win, but, you know, anything can happen. Polls show Fetterman up three to four points in most of the polls. Here is the thumbnail from last night's piece I did about Oz being a puppy killer. It's similar to a different thumbnail I did. This time I added a puppy. The puppy's asleep. No puppies were hurt in the making of this thumbnail. I... Clinically, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That 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 kind of scares me. I don't I did, I I don't want to play that. <laughs> that, thumb, that thumbnail is freaking me out. Five thirty eight has flipped today, unfortunately, and has uh, given the Senate by two seats to the Republicans. Now, I don't. Their races they're calling are saying that Herschel Walker is going to win in Georgia. I believe they predicted that... I'm going to have to look it up now. I'm going to have to remember exactly what their, what their predictions were. Now, these were in their models, right? So they're running... Models like a hundred different times and then saying how many times out of a hundred blah 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 will happen. So they're saying 54 times in a hundred it goes towards Republicans, 46 times in a hundred it goes towards the Democrats. Here are the seats they're giving it to. Walker in Georgia, 56 out of 100 times. They're predicting predicting Fetterman in Pennsylvania, 54 out of 100 times. 
They're predicting Black Salt winning in Nevada. 59 out of 100 times. So they're giving it to Kelly, Hassan. Uh, they're saying Barnes is going to lose pretty bad. 80 out of 100 times that race goes to Ron Johnson. They're giving it to J.D. Vance in Ohio. Uh, but I... Ohio is uh, is one of those that I think uh, could surprise some people. And we're, we're, we've got a clip from Tim Ryan that made Fox News viewers cheer for him. I don't think Pennsylvania... I do not think that Pennsylvania goes for Oz. And even, even 538 is saying it's going for Featherman. So those are those are the seats that they are predicting. Uh, it'll be Nevada a flip in Republicans' favor, and Georgia a flip in Republican favor. It still doesn't make sense because Pennsylvania would be a pickup. So they would only give the Republicans one seat. No, it says uh, it's giving it to Fetterman here. Yeah, it's currently our PA is a flip. That would give Republicans one seat according to if we went by 538's predictions. But 538 said they're giving it to Republicans by two seats. I think, unless I just misread this shit. Because I think the front page said their prediction is Republicans two seats in the Senate. Pick up two seats. But if, if Fetterman wins, as their models predicted, that would be one seat in the Senate. With the other two flipping. I don't want to make any predictions about New Hampshire until after we've watched the debate here in about a half hour. We're going to watch Maggie Hassan, the Democratic incumbent, debate. No, they gave that to Kelly. The two seats ahead flipping were Adam Laxalt and, uh, God, my stoner ass. Go back and look at it again. The two seats were Georgia and Nevada that they had flipping. Laxalt defeating Cortez Masto in Nevada and uh, Walker defeating Warnock in Georgia. Uh, Maybe I may... I think I might have saw that on Twitter or something that 538 had flipped to uh, to two and then I went and looked this up. So maybe they've changed. That would only give the Republicans a one-seat advantage in the Senate. That, according to... 538's forecast, which ah, I trust 538. Since uh, since Biden wanted to bring up uh, violence, I guess we'll go ahead. We'll go to the news section and we'll we'll highlight some stories that uh, we'll go out of order. Here. I got I got 30 minutes to fill, so. Apparently, there was indeed security footage of the Pelosi attack. 
The security cameras apparently weren't being monitored at the time. Here is a local news hit with the story. Seriously injured House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. Yeah, sources tell ABC News Capitol Police had cameras outside the Pelosi's home last week, but no one was watching them at the time of the assault. ABC's Justin Finch reports from Washington. New revelations days after attempted murder suspect David DePap allegedly smashed his way into House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home, searching for her, but instead finding her husband, Paul, and allegedly bashing him. Now, technically, he wasn't trying to murder somebody. Apparently, like, he, he bashed Paul in the head with a fucking hammer. But apparently his thought process was that he was going to break Nancy Pelosi's kneecaps so she would have to be wheeled out onto the floor of Congress and other Democrats would see what would happen to them if they lied. That was his, that was his plan. Him in the head with a hammer. Sources familiar with the matter telling ABC News U.S. Capitol Police had working cameras outside the Pelosi's home, but nobody was watching them at the time of the attack. Those sources adding Capitol Police later noticed local police lights on a camera, rewound the video, and spotted the break-in. The speaker was in D.C. during the assault, and apparently the cameras are not monitored 24-7 when she's out of town. ABC News also learned the speaker's home private security system designed to notify local and Capitol Police when triggered never sent an alert to Capitol Police. On Tuesday, 42-year-old David DePap made his first court appearance arraigned on state charges, including attempted murder and assault with a deadly weapon. DePap's public defender entering a not guilty plea and promising a vigorous defense. Now, I listened to DePap's uh, attorney. We might hear a statement from him here in a second, but, like, he's going to blame it on right-wing propaganda that they drove him fucking to do this, and... He has a point, but also the dude's got to face the consequences for his actions. We're going to be looking into Mr. DePap, his mental state. San Francisco prosecutors claim DePap told first responders he was on a suicide mission with plans to target to Speaker Pelosi target and others. other lawmakers. This was not a random um, residential burglary. This is something that was specifically targeted. Amid concerns about political violence ahead of the midterm elections, the U.S. Capitol Police chief saying... We believe today's political climate calls for more resources to provide additional layers of physical security for members of Congress. DePap is back in court for a bail hearing Friday. Prosecutors are arguing against his release, calling DePap a threat to the community. Justin Finch, ABC News, Washington. This also comes as a candidate in Pennsylvania was attacked, as I said, Biden didn't mention this. This happened earlier today or last night. Um, apparently, we got some shit-ass audio from whatever the news station is that's covering this. So you could see his hand after the attack. I'll go ahead and read the story. A Pennsylvania man running for office says he was attacked outside his Fayette County home earlier this week. Richard Ringer is on the ballot for Pennsylvania's 51st district as the House Democratic candidate. He says earlier this week, a man hit him in the head and face at least 10 times, knocking him out. 
Ringer was left with bruises on his face and cuts on his hand, and the assault is just the latest incident he's had to deal with in the last three weeks. He said he's had a message spray-painted on his garage door and a brick thrown through a back window. So it would have been nice to actually get his really comment. surprises me. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm surprised this happened, but really not totally unexpected that something would happen. You're getting close to the election day. Another one I want to point out uh, is that voters in Texas are saying that they are seeing intimidation due to their support of Beto or Warwick. I bet. But Warwick. Beto O'Rourke. I am really having trouble talking tonight. It's an isolated incident on one hand, but on the other hand, it's it's hate. Pure hate and venom. We sat down with Andrew and Olivia at Lakeway City Park. We're not using their real names or showing their faces or home because of their concerns over retaliation. But they wanted to show us this letter sent through the mail and addressed to them personally. But once I found out that it only came to us, it was disturbing. The page-long tirade begins by saying, thank you for showing your support for Beto O'Rourke, which they believe is a reference to the campaign signs on their lawn. I should feel safe having that sign in my yard. The letter goes on to dub them enemies of the state of Texas and socialists. Then it takes an even darker turn, saying we also now know that you don't believe in the Second Amendment and don't have a gun to protect yourself and your family, so you will not be able to protect yourselves. Don't worry, there are lots of your neighbors that do believe in the Second Amendment and will decide if they want to help you or not if there is an issue. Does that feel threatening? Yes. Yes. 100%. People said it wasn't a direct threat. The indirect threat, the underlying point of that is what... That's there. There is a threat. It's the implication. It goes on to say, I am sure the Lakeway Police Department will be happy to help someone who supports cutting their budget and who supports a candidate that wants to abolish the police and have criminals roam the streets. The author then claims, we have given your name and address to a list of organizations that are shipping illegal immigrants to people's houses. Your house will be used as a safe house where illegals will be dropped off for you to house. Some might be drug mules or sex offenders. I feel that they're trying to scare us away and to leave. At the bottom, it's simply signed. You can't tell me that the person who wrote that letter doesn't watch Ben Shapiro, doesn't watch Steven Crowder, doesn't watch Tucker Carlson every night on Fox News. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly where that's coming from. Lenny, good evening, my friend. Uh, We are on early tonight. We're about 20 minutes away from the New Hampshire Senate debate. We watched the uh, uh, Brandon speech earlier. Not dark Brandon enough for me. It was just Brandon-y. Not dark Brandon. Your Lakeway neighbors. But Andrew and Olivia don't believe it's from anyone they know personally. We talk to our neighbors who have different political beliefs, and we hang out all the time. It's never an issue. But for this person, it became an issue. The question of whether or not this is an example of voter intimidation is an interesting one. Constitutional law professor Eddie Carter says while this action may not legally qualify as intimidation because it happened away from a polling place. 
Certainly, the spirit of the letter and the character of the letter, the wording, the phraseology, and the sentences, and the intent behind the letter is aimed at intimidation. It infringes upon the very intent behind Thank you for being uh, a freaking follower. This couple has lived here in Lakeway for the last 20 years, and they say they have had things happen to them in years past, like campaign signs being ripped off their front lawn, but never anything quite like this. This feels different. This feels a lot different. It's escalated. Andrew and Olivia believe last week's attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband goes to show that hateful words can lead to a dangerous place. I'm not going to say fear because I don't want fear to be take over, mm -hmm. but I'm alert. They say they've installed security cameras at their home, but the idea of taking their signs down never crossed their mind. Not once. If something like this happened uh, to a supporter of Governor Abbott, would you feel the same way about it? Absolutely. 100%. This is not a political party issue by any means. This is an issue of people feeling that it's okay to spew such negative... No, I do believe it's a political party issue because, because one party isn't getting up there and just demonizing the other party all the time. Like... Let me tell you the amount of people who have called me groomer and pedophile on my own videos on YouTube. Simply because I point out that the drag queen that they accused of being naked is wearing skin-colored tights and their ass isn't hanging out. These people are fucking crazy. Even Rush, even Rush fucking Limbaugh called it. As a conservative, it's getting harder and harder to not look like a kook. We'll see how we're feeling at the end of the show after the debate. We might um, we might watch the Rush Limbaugh's wife. We'll have to guess which wife it is. I assume it was his last one, but it could have been you know one of the other two. But then again, I think they died of cancer when Rush divorced him. But I might be thinking of Newt Gingrich. I get all these fucking womanizing white sacks of shit confused. Pretty sure both of them cheated on their wives when they had cancer. Or I might be confusing it because they both look like sad sacks of mayonnaise. Rushbow was married three times, I think. Prager the Prager the same thing. Prager the same thing. I don't know if Prager's wife had cancer when he cheated on her. And it's the family values party. Indeed. Indeed. But we might watch the Rush Limbaugh thing after the debate because it's long. I don't know. It, it was Rush Limbaugh's wife on with Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck, I, I, I guess, wants to be the heir apparent to Rush Limbaugh. But also, so does Dan Bongino. So does Sean Hannity. Tones, glad you made it home safe. But speaking of right-wing talking heads that are, are hard to stomach, I guess I'll have to give you guys a content warning on this one. We're getting ready to see Tucker Carlson's face. He had Glenn Greenwald on. Why are there so many glaring doubts and holes in the Pelosi attack story? That is the Chiron on Tucker Carlson. By the way, there aren't any glaring holes. The attacker 
has given his statement to the Department of Justice, and we've seen it. We've seen it. I also believe it's kind of like the QAnon shaman, Jacob Chanley, or whatever his fucking name is, got really upset after he was, you know, a true patriot for the cause, and then gets put in the clink, and they're, they're all calling him Antifa. And he's like, I'm not Antifa. I did this for Trump. <laughs> it's the same thing. Imagine this dude being uh, so uh, sold on the misinformation that he believes that he goes and attacks Nancy Pelosi's husband and then gets called a, a, a gay hippie communist by the right. It's hilarious. So everybody feels obviously... Um Pain, thinking of an 82-year-old man being hit with a hammer, it's like the worst thing imaginable. Well, it's quite common now. But why should the rest of us sit here and accept obvious inconsistencies in a story that has public policy implications and not say anything? What? Huh? We obviously shouldn't, and I think this is the most important point about all of this, which is how many millions of people have been conditioned to believe that it's immoral or even some kind of reflection of mental illness, like you're a conspiracy theorist, if you don't immediately and unquestionably accept whatever story is told to you by institutions of authority. And the amazing... Glenn, I read... The transcript of the attacker's words. That's not just automatically believing some story from an institution. I read what the attacker told the Department of Justice. What the fuck is wrong with you? thing about that, Tucker, is that this framework is being constructed by journalists, people whose primary purpose in life is supposed to be to question and challenge the claims of the powerful, and instead they're demonizing anybody who does so. Skepticism itself can never be wrong. Skepticism says there's evidentiary holes and there's faulty reasoning in what we're being told. Even if evidence does emerge later on to prove it, the skepticism itself was not is valid but necessary so jeffrey epstein killed himself the russians blew up their own pipeline julian good evening criminal i mean maybe we're in the habit of just accepting the most ludicrous possible claims and moving on to the next thing that's it feels like where we are and he had uh, he had to tie it back into the the russian thing I mean, I remember, you know, Victoria Nuland, who's the State Department official in charge of Ukraine, went before Congress and said, we're really worried that you, the U.S. and Ukraine have biological labs that are very dangerous. And if they fall into the Russian hands, it can be a disaster. And anyone who said, wait, what does she mean, was instantly branded a conspiracy theorist. How many people were called conspiracy theorists <laughs> because they question whether the vaccine works the way they were told to work or anything exactly. else? This is what they do is demonize questioning. And when I asked them where they got that the vaccine was 100% effective, do you know what I get every goddamn time from them? An episode of Rachel Maddow. Where in the same episode, I had to read the whole fucking transcript of the show to prove this guy wrong. Where in the same fucking episode, she even said they weren't 100% effective or used language. 
just because like once she said it stops the virus in its tracks or whatever. That is always what I get from these people. Well, they were told the vaccine doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. What the fuck, dude? I'm, I'm just like aghast at what is going on in our media. And I used to have the utmost respect for Glenn Greenwald. He used to be one of my favorite fucking journalists. What in the fuck happened to you, dude? Dude, that was, I think you were on that night. What, biolabs in Ukraine? Shut up, Putin apologist! <laughs> what? Glenn Greenwald, always do like a palate cleanser, a, 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 the fresh air of sanity coming into the studio. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I hadn't watched that clip. I knew I was in for something. I, I knew, I knew, I knew I was in for a ride with that one, but I wasn't expecting all that. How much, how much fucking bullshit can you, that was a two and a half minute segment. How much bullshit can you fit into two and a half minutes? My God, my God. Okay, so we are about 13 minutes away from the New Hampshire Senate debate. We're going to be watching Democratic incumbent Maggie Husson. I can't say her name right. I can't say it right. Maggie Hassan? And a fuck. Maggie Hassan? We're going to be watching Democratic incumbent Maggie Hassan debate Republican nominee Doug Bulldog. New Hampshire is a weird state in a in a very blue area where they have a very libertarian bit. Cicero, good evening. And you never heard of Glenn Greenwald? He's the founder of The Intercept. Oh, yeah! Uh, Revigal. I am so sorry, Revigal. I don't know exactly how to say your name, but if you will give me a phonetical pronunciation, I will totally get it right. Ravage, okay! Revigil? Revigil? He's one of the founders of The Intercept and like a founder, not the founder. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. He's one of the founders of The Intercept. Uh, He left a few years ago because they got upset. He got upset about them wanting to uh, fact check his shit. Like, hey, we, we don't think this is right. Like the editor. Yeah, I'm from the U.S. As, uh, uh, as if you can't tell by the thick Appalachian accent. The Intercept is one of the uh, best journalistic institutions we have and the fact that they were able to get rid of Glenn Greenwald when he started being a dick. Uh, that's where you you will get reporting from Ken Klippenstein. You'll get reporting from Ryan Grimm. Some of my favorite reporters. We're, we're even going to be reading a very um, very telling piece from The Intercept here after the debate. Uh, I have to also make a correction to my previous coverage. Uh, I really dismissed the idea of the, information, the Disinformation Governance Board. 
being a, a tool of the Biden administration to try to censor people on, on social media, I really dismiss that as an out-of-pocket claim by right-wingers. We now have some fantastic reporting by The Intercept. Uh, but it's not necessarily the Biden administration. It's more what we would call the deep state, because this has been going on for fucking years. It was happening under the Trump administration. Oh, you're trying to escape Russia. Well, best of luck to you, my friend. Uh, Coming to to any Western country at this moment is probably uh, a a (laughs) crapshoot. Though the Americans tend to like Russians now, I I believe. Like the, the American right wing is pretty accepting of Russians. Fair enough, Cicero. Fair enough. And retail, my God. I've barely done any retail in my life, and it was all retail photography. I worked for Olin Mills, uh, Sears Portrait Studio, Walmart Portrait Studio. I did retail photography. It was my only experience in retail my entire life. And that one little little taste of it uh, was enough to make me go, yep, nope, 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 not for me. The U.S. is pretty fucked up right now, but we're probably doing better than, like, the U.K. <laughs> we're doing better than Israel. I I think the I think some of these governments are closer to being on the brink of collapse and, than, than some people might like to acknowledge. Thicker wine. Oh, my God. Canada. Canada is a very pleasant country, though they do have a virulent right wing that is is currently on the rise at the moment, too. Seems to be a thing all over the all over the globe right now. The fascism is on, on the rise. So we're going to uh, take a commercial break on the Twitch. If you're not subscribed, you'll see Twitch's commercials. That We're going to get them all out of the way, so you won't see any commercials during the debate. That's what I try to do. If you are subscribed, you'll see my stupid little commercials. They're fun. You, you, you still get some content. Uh, after we finish the debate, New Hampshire Senate debate between Democratic incumbent Maggie Hassan taking on Republican... Uh, nominee Doug Bulldog, who has been endorsed by Trump and is a nut job. You earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, we did the story about him thinking that they are putting litter boxes in schools so kids can shit and piss in litter boxes, which is totally not true. We're going to be watching that debate in about seven minutes. On the other side of the debate, we're going to hear from a woman who was in the sole. Uh, stampede uh, that happened over the weekend. It was a Halloween celebration in Seoul, South Korea. She is going to give us a first-hand account. We're going to talk about the Parkland gunman. Apparently, one of the the uh, family members of a victim uh, said that he was trying to hide his face and he took off his mask, and it was a really tense moment. So we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. Uh, Bo Burham 
had a fantastic video go viral. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw a bit of the transcript. I'm like, fuck yeah, he's laying it down. Gonna play that. Gonna see Tim Ryan get cheered on Fox News. Uh, Herschel Walker is gonna compare his resume with Barack Obama's. Looks like Bibi Netanyahu is back in Israel. Bolsonaro, J.R. Bolsonaro, who recently lost an election in Brazil and had went into hiding, has apparently come out of hiding and has not conceded yet. Plus, if we have time, we might listen to Rush Limbaugh's wife on with Glenn Beck. I've been saving that for when we had a, a little more time to be able to watch it. So the Twitch hit the ads. You guys are get those out of the way. When we come back from the other side of the break, we're going to have the New Hampshire Senate debate. This is WWE superstar and multiple-time champion Seth Rollins. Seth is one of the top wrestlers in the industry, and never in a million years would I expect that Seth would be spying on me, or at least following me on social media. You see, a few years ago around 2015 or 2016, Seth started referring to himself as Seth freaking Rollins. Now Justin, you may say. Your name is Justin Freakin. That's not very similar. And you'd be right. But I actually rebranded myself as Justin Freakin after Rollins blatantly stole my gimmick. Before last year, I went by... Justin Freakin' Mullins. Justin Freakin' Mullins. Justin Freakin' Mullins. I am on film and audio, calling myself Justin Freakin' Mullins several years before Seth Rollins. And if we take a trip in the Wayback Machine, we can see that I've actually been using the appellative since I was in high school. If this was Seth's only offense, I might let it slide. But recently he started referring to himself as The Monday Night Messiah. Hmm, I wonder where I have heard something like that before. I am the new media messiah. I am the new media messiah. Self-proclaimed new media messiah. The new media messiah. So, Seth, since you and the WWE are clearly paying attention to me, consider this video your cease and desist to stop infringing on my intellectual property and issue me a check for a cut of that sweet merchandise money. Obviously, you and the WWE are big fans of my ideas, so maybe you should offer me a slot on the creative team. Anyone who has watched Raw in the past decade knows you could use the help. And if you're watching this video and you're not Seth Rollins, check out the links below to learn how you can contribute to my legal fund. Now we turn to uh, YouTuber Justin, Justin Freakin. The guy's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a formidable voice in the culture. Uncensored and unfiltered political talk and debate from a leftist perspective. The day's top news stories and videos with astute social commentary. If not high enough for this shit. All we're establishing is this guy's wicked, sick aesthetic. Right-wingers are morons. You brought back the wrong kind of fucking cake, you idiot. 
I guess I gotta thank Mad Wolf for introducing me to Justin Freakin'. Yet you're like, We're, we'll pray for somebody. You think you can telepathically communicate with a deity, and you have the audacity to say somebody else has a mental disorder. For the love of God. And it is coming up on Christmas season. I have an ugly troll sweater up on the uh, up on the freak store. An ugly troll sweater. Yeah, it's November now. Some people call it No Nut November. I mean, what's the deal with No Nut November? Just bust a nut. It's good for you. The also the the troll the troll uh, patrol logo kind of blocks the bottom text on memes. So we might have to retool this a little bit. Don't be surprised if the camera and the chat are on the other side of the screen. Soon, I've got to uh, I've got to play with the audio. Apparently, I don't think my audio ducking is working. But we'll get the bugs worked out. We'll get the bugs worked out. Uh, we do have news to talk about. We were on early. We covered the. Brandon's speech about democracy wasn't as good as his first one. wasn't wasn't near as uh, evil looking as his first one either. So total fail on, on on bringing back Dark Brandon for tonight. He was talking about uh, some of the violent attacks, uh, like the one against Nancy Pelosi's husband. We also talked about a, a candidate in Pennsylvania who was attacked. Here's what we're going to be talking about now. Uh, Bolsonaro finally come out of his hole, but he did not concede. Looks like it's for realsies now. Bibi Netanyahu is coming back as the Prime Minister of Israel. Going to play you some video of Tim Ryan getting cheered by Fox, a Democrat, Democratic Senate nominee, Tim Ryan was on Fox News, got cheered for some shit he said. Meanwhile, Herschel Walker compared himself to uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> that should be that should be a fun watch. Uh, what I expect to be some fucking chilling footage that we're going to watch later on in the show. Apparently, a family member of one of the victims of the Parkland shooting accused the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz, of trying to hide. The motherfucker took off his mask and stared her down. Plus, we might hear from Rush Limbaugh's wife on with Glenn Beck. I'm going to start off tonight. Uh, first of all, I, w- I do want to update you on a story that we talked about last night. Ida, good evening. Simp, good evening. Cicero, Core, Dustin, Lenny, thank you for the sub. Or re- could be a resub sub. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't say on the screen. Resub. Hell yeah, my friend. So glad to have you here. I think I've said hey to everybody. Fuzzy face. So glad to see you in here. Don't know if I missed anybody during the debate. I try to lay out as much as I can during the debate, but, you know, sometimes I just got to make some jokes. I got to crack the jokey jokes. I can't help myself. 
This one is not a jokey joke. Fucking shit. See, I gotta work. I gotta work on the audio, and that way, like, even if that plays for me, you guys won't hear it. That kind of deal. Because I can do that. I can do that shit. I just got to work out the fucking kinks. Now I don't even know. I was going to hit a drop, and I don't remember what drop I was going to hit. Ah, shit. Dustin, my friend. Also, good evening. And yes, totally. 8 a.m. Eastern. I'm not up anytime. That the Don't think I'm up at like fucking 7 o'clock doing a freaking news. I pre-record that shit sometimes days in advance. <laughs> I'm not up at 8 a.m. Well, sometimes I am, but I'm still up at 8 a.m. I don't, I was going to hit a drop for some reason. I don't, I don't know what I was going to say. I've we're kicking authority in the balls. He's kicking authority in the balls. Oh, I was going to hit the content warning. That's right. I was going to hit the content warning because this is going to be a... This is going to be a crazy piece of video we're going to watch here. This is a California woman who was in Seoul, South Korea over the weekend. We covered this story the other night. Hundred and Around 150 people died. As a stampede took place, we have first-hand account. I just remember, like, being under all of these layers of people thinking, I am not dying, okay? I am not doing this to my family. I am going home. I am going home. That's the determined message from an Albert woman who survived that heartbreaking scene in Seoul, South Korea. She spoke only to ABC News from her hospital bed, describing the moments a Halloween celebration turned deadly with people being crushed. Oh my God, this video is heartbreaking. The crowd got like not moving, kind of like people were like pushing and shoving, and it was super uncomfortable. Minutes later, a disturbing live stream shows the crowd so tightly packed, even police are not able to dislodge them. As the death toll rises, dozens remain hospitalized, including Auburn native Savannah Winman. There was like a hole I could like stick my arm out of and like wave and be like, I'm still down here, I'm still alive kind of thing. Savannah was sassy, savvy, safety, but TV sadly w. more than 150 people died and authorities fear the death toll could increase as many of those injured remain in critical condition. The dude dressed as Mario, like doing chest compressions. I mean, it was a Halloween celebration, so good I was like, I believe that's a Mario costume. He's one of the only costume people I see. Maybe they, they have like a horror outfit on. The death toll could increase as many of those injured remain in critical condition. The chaos unfolded as the crowd gathered to celebrate Halloween on Saturday. Tuesday, the national police chief, Seoul's mayor, and the prime minister each admitted more could have been done to prevent this, saying they'd only deployed 137 officers to handle a crowd of more than 100,000. Savannah took this Damn. picture of the crowd before the chaos. It was really, really busy, and we weren't planning on staying to go on. A sad reminder of the devastating loss as Savannah counts her blessings. I am going to be able to see my dad, and I'm going to be able to see my family. I'm going to be able to spend the holidays with them, and that 
in itself just makes me so incredibly thankful and happy that I'm just not going to let it like bring me down. Two young Americans were among the 156 people killed. You can read more of our coverage on this tragedy on ABC10.com. I like her positive outlook, though. She gets to spend the holidays with her family after going through that tragic uh, ordeal. Fuck. That that was far more graphic video than we watched the other night when when we originally covered that story. Still a little stunned by that. The I'm gonna go ahead and hit the content warning again on this one. This is probably gonna be some chilling video. The sentencing trial for the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz, wrapped up today. He is officially behind bars for life. I think Law and Crime even titled the video, They Threw Away the Key. This is one of the victim's moms testifying in court on the final day. And then has a bit of a ordeal with the shooter. Kirk Guttenberg, G-U-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. Thank you. And Fred Guttenberg, same spelling, G-U-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G. Thank you. Nice to see you both. Mrs. Guttenberg, would you like to say something on behalf of your daughter, Jamie? Yes, I would. Please. Please go ahead. So yesterday, I put out a message that I wasn't going to speak. But after yesterday's events, I changed my mind. First, I want to thank you, Judge, for attempting to um, keep this courtroom from being a circus. The state attorneys for all the hard work that they've done for way too many years. The victims advocates in Eagles Haven who have supported us every single day um, beyond imagination, honestly. So, you. You shouldn't be sitting there with a mask on your face. It's disrespectful to be hiding your expressions under your mask when we as the families are sitting here talking to you. Lowered down in your seat, hunched over, trying to make yourself look innocent when you're not. You took it off. Because you admitted what you did, and everybody knows what you did. I felt the need today to remind this court and this entire country who are the important people here. And that's Jamie, my daughter and the other 16 victims that were murdered, as well as the 17 you may recognize her husband. He's that were injured, now and a, a countless thousands of mentally injured people. He is now a, a advocate for stricter gun laws. He has been appearing on a lot of cable news outlets. So Fred Guttenberg, you've probably seen him make different media appearances. From this massacre. They suffered the unimaginable. 
And as a reminder, there's no question about what happened. Guilt was admitted. I won't take the time to talk about you because as far as I'm concerned, you deserve zero acknowledgement. I need only to speak about the families who have endured this horror of what you did to our loved ones. Yesterday, the elected public defender said that nobody had to endure what this defense had to endure. Let me just tell everybody what our families have had to endure. For those of you who don't know, there were many rules and restrictions for our families. We were not to wear colors like orange for my daughter or advertising types of clothing. This is the, the final hearing in the Parkland shooter sentencing trial. This is the mom of one of the victims. He is, she spoke directly to Nicholas Cruz and now she's, she's talking about the, the families. Or gear related to our loved ones. We weren't to have major reactions or facial expressions from what was being said. We had to be quiet. We didn't make a peep. We couldn't make any verbal sounds. We couldn't use our cell phones in the courtroom, even though the attorneys, the press, and everyone else could use theirs. We weren't to be speaking outside of this courtroom because we were unaware of where jurors might be and may run into somebody. The list goes on and on. And as a reminder, Mr. Weeks, and the rest of the defense attorneys, your client murdered our loved ones in cold blood, hunted them down, shot them over and over. Once again, I don't like the hatred that has been, I, and yeah, like the woman apparently threw up a middle finger. It does look like she did it intentionally and like she wasn't just like scratching. It was one of those like covert kind of things, but it was kind of over that she was flipping the bird. I, these are public defenders who were put in an impossible position. So I show them the utmost sympathy because everyone deserves a defense, even even mass murderers. And I'm sure the public defender's office is incredibly overworked and underpaid. And I can't imagine the stress that they were under in this situation, in this trial. And the judge has kind of been overbearing. The judge, I feel, was grandstanding and trying to make a name for herself. The family seemed to feel that the judge did a good job, and I sympathize with that. But from what I saw, and I watched hours of this because I don't know why, I have a morbid curiosity. We've covered it in parts here on the show but I myself have watched hours of the coverage until he knew he accomplished his goal and left them for dead with no remorse in fact well he, he pled guilty this has all just been about sentencing and stopped for a slurpee because he was thirsty after his rampage I feel our families need to be recognized whether in the courtroom or watching from elsewhere, we sat through this entire trial respectfully. We tried not to react while videos of our loved ones were being shown to the jury. We tried not to react when the medical examiner described their horrific injuries. 
We tried not to react as we were verbally taken through the crime scene, step by step. Miss <sighs> McNeil. RB, you said that about one of the judges and one of the many cases we've watched, but like, I didn't, I didn't get what you were talking about. Like, she looked fine to me. Waved her hand at us during her closing arguments, like this, talking about these people, and no matter what the verdict is, that these people will always be suffering from what happened. It was disrespectful. And I'd like to tell you about these people. We are sad, hurt, lonely, empty, and horrified. Yet we are strong, caring, and respectful. Each of us has done our share to try to do positive things every day, regardless of how our lives have been ruined. We have endured the unthinkable and the nonsense of this trial, including the blatant disrespect of this, dissent, this defense team, and now Mr. Weeks. This is a club that nobody wants to be in, but I'm glad that my club is at least with these amazing people. Let me remind and everyone I'm again, fucking, as other uh, people have, who's important here. I have the utmost respect for victims advocates, uh, especially like I, I, I worked closely with a, a group when I was doing news that did like advocacy for children in courts. That is so fucking important. Children that are going to have to testify or have had to be taken away from their, their families and are going through this whole court process. They definitely need caring individuals there with them, walking them through this process. Victims advocates like she's describing do an amazing job and, and don't get enough praise and acknowledgement for the work they do. Jamie Guttenberg, my beautiful daughter, Nicholas Dwaret, Luke Hoyer, Joaquin Oliver, Gina Montalto, Elena Petty, Carol Loughran, Meadow Pollock, Alex Schachter, Peter Wang, Martin Duquet, Carmen Shentra, Helena Ramsey, Alyssa Alhadef, Chris, Chris Hickson, Scott Beagle, and Aaron Feiss. Along with the 17 injured and thousands of others affected, I never want to hear the killer's name again. Let us remember the victims and their legacy. Carlson. My daughter is Jamie Guttenberg. She is forever 14 and she is amazing still. And that's what I want people to remember. Well, my friend RB, women aren't there for your approval or disapproval. And their their appearances uh shouldn't be gauged on on, on what you think. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. Sorry. Had to go a little woke on you there. Had to had to had to give you a little correction. <laughs> Where's my where's my Jordan Peterson at? Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. Fuck Jordan Peterson, who was the one that threw out the the Why do women wear rouge on their face? It's because your cheeks turn red naturally during sex and they're trying they're getting aroused. They're trying to, to portray the arousal. <laughs> Why do women wear high heels? Fuck Jordan Peterson. 
I, you know, I, he does give off closeted vibes. He gives off closeted vibes. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He's got beef daughter going on. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple of election updates. Um, <laughs> invented for men first. What about wigs and shit invented for men? <laughs> We've got a couple of election updates here. And I believe I'm going to have to translate. We're not going to translate for us here. This is J.R. Bolsonaro finally came out from under his rock after losing to Lula da Silva Sunday in the Brazilian presidential election. Bolsonaro finally came out from hiding. He has not been seen since the election. Apparently does not concede. Here we go. The current popular movements are the result of indignation. (laughs) Hold on. Are Are the result of indignation and feelings of injustice at how the electoral process took place. Peaceful manifestations will always be welcome, but our methods cannot be those of the left, which have always harmed the population. It's literally their side causing these blockades here. I was always labeled as anti-democratic and unlike my accusers. I always played within the four lines of the Constitution. As president of the Republican and a citizen, I will continue to fulfill all the commandments of our Constitution. It is an honor to be the leader of millions of Brazilians who, like me, defend economic freedom, religious freedom, freedom of opinion, honesty, and the green and yellow colors of our flag. And then he died of COVID. Motherfuckers had COVID like five times. I should have a uh, J.R. Bolsonaro dies of COVID watch. I should really have one of those for as many times as that motherfucker has gotten COVID. Still, it looks like uh, the U.S. has accepted the results of the Brazilian election and has kind of made uh, um... Made, made statements that would indicate they would uh, not support a Bolsonaro attempt at a coup. So, uh, that's promising. <laughs> Still kind of wonder what they did in Haiti a couple years back. <laughs> oh, shit. Let's uh, move over to Israel where it looks like we're getting the return of BB Netanyahu, which I, I do want to point out my uh, thumbnail for the the Israeli election results from last night. It's it's one of those that only a few people will get it. You have to have been a fan of Elton John from back in like the seventies and have seen the single "The Bitches Back," <sighs> actually seen the artwork for it. Oh, you just missed the New Hampshire debate. I'm sorry, Amnestic. U.S. is begrudgingly accepting it. Voodoo, good evening. 
Fuck, fuck, I don't I didn't even click on the Kanye story today. There was something he said. I'm like, I'm not even gonna click on it because I fell for it last night. I fell for the bullshit last night. BB Netanyahu poised to return as the Israeli Prime Minister. Netanyahu is set to return to power in one of the most right-wing coalitions in Israel's history. A smiling Netanyahu, who's on trial over corruption charges he denies, spoke to cheering supporters on... By the way, as they mentioned those corruption charges, as they mentioned those corruption charges, the party has promised to change the law in order to nullify the charges against him. Wednesday. Our way, the way of Likud, proved itself. I remind you that after getting 52 seats last election, we are on the brink of a very big win. Current Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid stopped short of conceding victory pending the final tally. We have no intention to stop. We have no intention to cease. Right-wing ethnostate is going to look like a right-wing ethnostate. Leftist or rightist, Jewish or Arab, straight or LGBT. Should know tonight that we will continue to fight for Israel to be a Jewish and democratic, liberal and progressive state. A possible Netanyahu win has caused jitters among Palestinians and Arab neighbors who fear it could ratchet up tensions across the Middle East. With roughly 85% of votes counted, Netanyahu's conservative Likud and its likely religious and far-right allies were on pace to control a majority in parliament after Israel's fifth election in less than four years. Reactions on the street... Yeah, fifth election in less than four years. I forgot that that dude, the the uh, Lapid dude, was even the prime minister. I still thought it was Neftali Bennett. And I do a fucking news show every night. Next, in light of the news... This man says he's very happy and that he believes a Netanyahu win would be good for Israelis. However, retiree Mina Rabi disagrees. I feel very disappointed. I expected a change. I expected this government to remain in power and get stronger, that we will have a much better future and not a radical right-wing government. It's a pity. Netanyahu's prospective alliance with ultranationalist firebrand Itamar Ben-Gavir has alarmed Palestinians and members of Israel's minority Arabs. As Prime Minister, Netanyahu's government will likely press forward with settlement activity on occupied land where Palestinians... Okay, can we talk about how gaudy that fucking ad was? Nice-looking, you know, neighborhood that's what you would expect Israel to look like, I would think. And then that gigantic flashing billboard right in the middle as if it's fucking Times Square. What the hell? ...activity on occupied land where Palestinians with international support seek statehood. But his hardline on Iran means Israel's recently struck Gulf Arab alliances should hold firm. Though the landscape could shift as ballot counts trickle in, Israeli media predicted Netanyahu would lead a bloc of four parties, taking 65 of the Knesset's 120 seats. Or be called it a Yamaha. 
Is that racist? Is that racist against Jewish people? They call their yarmulke a Yamaha? Cancel or B? <laughs> oh, God damn. Chris Peterson at. Okay, okay, I gotta. Stop yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels who. I gotta let you guys in on something. If you were here for the end of the show last night, you know that we have a new kitten here in this house. A new kitten is sitting here next to me. And uh, I let Smokey out because Smokey was trying to fuck with the kitten. And Smokey is outside the door, right? Yes, I have a kitty. I have a five-week-old kitty right next to me. It's sleeping right now. It's sleeping right now. But I gotta, I gotta let Smokey in. Well, I guess he got tired of fucking with the door. But the door is open. The, the, the little kitty is in the carrier. And she's sleeping. Uh, If you guys are good, if you guys are good, I will, um, I will get her out for the end. So, one of, so, Socks has pretty much figured out how to use the door handle. Like, if if it had grips on it, he could fucking open the door. It's very loud and shit. But the reason why, like, um, apparently when I'm doing this, uh, it's it's quite annoying to the housemate, which I'm I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, because apparently I'm loud. Uh, so like she was getting ready for work earlier, and during the debate, she brought the kitty in. And so I actually had the door closed because, uh, you know, I just wanted to be respectful of her and everything. She's getting ready for work. But she probably also is is in the bathroom in there and like hearing every word I'm saying. <laughs> if you guys are good, I'll get the kitty out. That's what we did last night instead of an animal video. I showed off the five week old kitten. I did. I should have turned it around. Let you see its ass because it's a uh, it's a bobtail. It's a tortoise shell calico bobtail. It is around five weeks old. Who did what? Who did what, Phoebe? I don't I don't know what's going on. Enable the moat only mode. I didn't even know that was a thing. The answers are on Hunter Biden's laptop. Indeed. Are we back to talking about the election? Let's go. Let's go back to talking about the election, shall we? Uh, Biden wrapped up early. It kind of fucked up my order of the show, so things are things are are switched around here. Uh, the pre- the former president of the United States went directly after you. I want to get your reaction. Let's listen together. Some of you may not remember, but Herschel Walker was a heck of a football player. 
Was he? Does that make him the best person to represent you in the USA? Does that make him equipped to weigh in on the critical decisions about our economy and our foreign policy and our future? Saw anyone who called you a celebrity. What's your reaction to him going after you? Have you ever met him before? I've never met him before, and if I'm a celebrity, I would have met him because all he did was hang out with celebrities, and he forgot to tell people I created one of the largest minority-owned food service companies in the United States of America, so I do sign the... Wait, what? Is he... I, I thought we got him uh, to stop making these claims. Smokey! Uh, the claim about him owning a chicken company is false. And if I'm a celebrity, I would have met him because all he did was hang out with celebrities. And he forgot to tell people I created one of the largest minority-owned food service companies in the United States of America. So I do sign in front of a check, which he's probably never done, and uh, except when he was in the White House. And then uh, Senator That's not true. has never done either. So I've created businesses. I sit on a public traded board. So those are things I've done outside of football. But my resume against his resume, I put it up any time of the day, and I think I've done well. <laughs> I think it's a cross, but it may, it might very well be that fucking badge he's got around his neck. One of the things I say to the people is he's not in Georgia voting. Senator Warnock has a record now. Uh, when he ran two years ago, he didn't have a record. Right now, you see where this country is at. After two years he's been in office, well, can we take six more years of that? We can't. It's time to get right. a new leadership. It's time to put someone in Washington that represent the Georgia people, not represent Joe Biden, that's ready to get the taxes down, ready to get the border secured, ready to get men out of women's sports, and ready to get this economy back together. So there you go, about the transphobia. I'm ready to do it on day one. There There you have it. I don't even think it was a cross. I don't know what the fuck that is around his neck. Maybe an angel? So, uh... Brian Kilmeade apparently comes close to asking Walker a tough question. It's 50, you're going to do it again. How are you handling all the personal controversies? <laughs> well, you know, the way I handle that is I keep going forward. Right now, you know, they're going to try to throw everything at me. They've spent almost $100 million so far uh, against me. And, you know, right now the race is virtually tied or I'm in the lead, which show that they don't even know how to spend their own money. So quit spending our money. So that's what I'm running for. I'm running to let people know I represent them. They can come after me at what they want because they got to come after me today. They're going to come after you tomorrow, but they're not going to do it on my watch because they, they don't know what they got a hold of and they got a hold of Herschel Walker. I'm the wrong Georgia for them to come after. So they can keep coming. I'm going to keep knocking them down. I told them when I got in this race, I'm that warrior for God that need to right. straighten things out because what they're doing to this country is not right. What right. Senator Warnock has done is not right. You know, he brought people into his church that preach that Christians are racist. And, you know, that's that's not right. In my gotcha. Bible, I read there's nothing that's... Warnock is the reverend at Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. I don't think that's a high, I don't think it's a miniature Heisman. I think it's some kind of angel or something. I don't know, but I, I, I can't really tell. And I guess you guys can't tell because my camera is over it. Hold on. <laughs> the chat's still over it, but like, it looks like a, it looks like an angel or cat. Stop it. Yeah. The cats keep coming in to kind of like check on the, the little one. Smokey's over here on the, on the, on the nightstand behind me. It's a saint thing. Okay, possibly. Saint Michael. 
Is he Catholic? I had no clue he was Catholic. But perhaps he is. Go to Ohio. We're going to go to Ohio. This is also a clip from Fox News. Tim Ryan appeared on Fox News, said we don't want J.D. Vance in the doctor's office, and Fox News viewers applauded. A story or two every single week of people, women, who are in this tragic situation, their life becomes at risk, they have to go to Illinois. Now, J.D. Vance wants a national abortion ban, and these, he wouldn't be happy with these people going to Illinois. He wants them to have to get a passport and go to Canada. He called rape inconvenient. This is after 15 weeks is what he's talked about. We're yeah, going to ask well, after, him all these questions. After 15 weeks. So what's your number? What's the, what you say you don't want it afterwards. I, I think we go back to Roe v. Wade. Which, Ro, Roe v. Wade was in the third term. In the third term of Roe, in the third term of Roe v. Wade, you could only do it if there was some kind of medical emergency. We don't want J.D. Vance and Ted Cruz and all these guys in the doctor's and office. Do you think that the Democratic position? Uh, there you go, and he got cheered by, I would assume, Fox News viewers at, and at a this lot town of people hall. Fall into that nonviolent category. Uh, including drug traffickers, including drug possession, including people who distribute child pornography. So all those people should be let out? Well, what I'm talking about here is marijuana crimes. I think Whoa. we need to legalize marijuana. I think... Well, you said all nonviolent criminals out, for sure. I'm sorry? You, you, you said, said all, all nonviolent criminals well, out, Well, I, I sure. think the focus is marijuana crimes, in my mind, right? We spend, this, is, this may be the stupidest expenditure of, fed, of federal money and in, in public taxpayer money me, in the me, me, me. country. Good evening, you get my caught friend. with marijuana, then you end up in prison. And, and that is insane for us. We should take, we should tax the marijuana and we should put it into addiction treatment. We should use it to keep I would fentanyl assume it is because and there's these a hardcore drugs out of our country, out of our society. We should invest in the shop class. We should invest into early childhood education. There's so many better ways to spend this money than locking somebody up for marijuana crimes. And especially when, when white and black people use marijuana equally, Black people are six times more likely to go to prison. Like, that's an unfair system. I'm sorry, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Tim Ryan lighting it up in the Fox Town Hall. I think he has done an excellent job. I think Ohio is more in play than what, like, 538 said earlier when we were looking at their their models that they've been running. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan is able to pull it out in Ohio. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, also, I did not have the phone lines open earlier, just in case anyone wants to call in. I, I try not to have them open when we're doing Biden's speech or, you know, um, some sort of debate as we were earlier. Phone lines are now uh, open to lose by less than five. I hope he pulls it out. J.D. Vance is a bad candidate. And like, guys, Ohio already has a Democratic senator. 
uh, Ohio has Sherrod Brown, who is an excellent senator and by far one of the best senator you could expect to come from Ohio. There are many people that say that, you know, Sherrod Brown wouldn't be able to win in Ohio today for the first time. Vance is objectively horrible, just like Walker is objectively horrible, just like Dr. Oz is objectively horrible, just like Ron Johnson is objectively horrible, just like Marco Rubio is objectively horrible. I It would not surprise me to see Rubio lose, but that one's more of a long shot. It all depends on momentum. Ohio's real. I've been there. I've been there numerous fucking times. I was there during the 2004 election. And had, like, you know, Republican operatives. Uh, that was when they were trying to get a constitutional amendment against gay marriage going. In order to gin up support for, for Bush among evangelicals. And they were outside of the Walmart I was working in. Fucking trying to get me to fucking sign their petition. Rhode Island's not real. Shut up, RB. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love you, my friend. Uh, here's the weird thing about Ohio is you can be sitting at a stoplight. Unless they've changed things. I haven't been to Ohio. Uh, I'll take that back. I went to Ohio for a Radiohead concert like five years ago. But other than that, I haven't been in Ohio in like 15 years. Back last time I was there, you could be in fucking any lane. The light turns green. You can turn right, you can turn left, you can go straight. It's just kind of a free-for-all at Ohio intersections. And that's the that's the thing I don't like about Ohio. Beto is like six or seven points back of Abbott. Once it, that's not insurmountable, it's all about turnout. And Beto has done a good job. If you weren't here for the story earlier, we can... I, I let me play this video again just because it's wild. This is coming out of Texas. Uh, a couple that had a Beto Auroric sign in their yard got an insanely threatening letter from one of their neighbors. So you would think something like this would indicate that Republicans are worried about what's going on. Say that one. It's an isolated incident on one hand, but on the other hand, it's it's hate. Pure hate and venom. We sat down with Andrew and Olivia at Lakeway City Park. We're not using their real names or showing their faces or home because of their concerns over retaliation. But they wanted to show us this letter sent through the mail and addressed to them personally. But once I found out that it only came to us, it was disturbing. The page-long tirade begins by saying, thank you for showing your support for Beto O'Rourke, which they believe is a reference to the campaign signs on their lawn. I should feel safe having that sign in my yard. The letter goes on to dub them enemies of the state of Texas and socialists. Then it takes an even darker turn, saying we also now know that you don't believe in the Second Amendment and don't have a gun to protect yourself and your family, so you will not be able to protect yourselves. Don't worry, black flag or a black that flag do believe flag. in the Second Amendment and will decide if they want to help you or not if there was an can they issue. name five songs, fucking posers? Yes. yes. 100%. People said it wasn't a direct threat. The indirect threat, the underlying point of that is what 
That's there. There is a threat in the letter. It goes on to say, I am sure the Lakeway Police Department will be happy to help someone who supports cutting their budget and who supports a candidate that wants to abolish the police and have criminals roam the streets. The author then claims, we have given your name and address to a list of organizations that are shipping illegal immigrants to people's houses. Your house will be used as a safe house where illegals will be dropped off for you to house. Some might be drug mules or sex offenders. I feel that they're trying to scare us away and to leave. At the bottom, it's simply signed, your Lakeway neighbors. But Andrew and Olivia don't believe it's from anyone they know personally. We talk to our neighbors who have different political beliefs and we hang out all the time. It's never an issue. But for this person, it became an issue. The question of whether or not this is an example of voter intimidation is an interesting one. Constitutional law professor Eddie Carter says while this action may not legally qualify as intimidation because it happened away from a polling place. Certainly, the spirit of the letter and the character of the letter, like, the wording, is, is, the phraseology, and the, the sentences. The propaganda appeal to the low-information voter is like, I, we cover these right-wingers all the time. They get on their YouTube channel, and they're like, these crazy socialists, these loony leftists, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, motherfucker, do you even know what socialism means? If you're calling Joe Biden a socialist, you're a fucking idiot. You're too dumb to even have a conversation with. Because either you know nothing about Joe Biden or you don't know what fucking socialism means or both. The man known as the senator from MBNA who has been in the pocket of banks and credit card companies and Wall Street his entire fucking career is not a socialist. But, you know, I've, I've, I've also done a lot of work for these right-wing organizations so uh those of you that might not know me i do uh independent contracting for video audio services and shit and unfortunately the people who have money to purchase my services are uh right-wing so for a while i was working for this uh podcast company out of wisconsin that was just churning out these stupid, it was about homeschooling, it was about, you know, patriotic history, it was fucking dumb shit. And I about fell out of my chair one time when they called uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller, <laughs> like, was one of the greatest socialists of all time. I fucking, like, what? Are you an idiot? <laughs> The left has gone too far with their cultural Marxism. Clinically, good evening. I just went off on a tangent. I don't even remember what I was talking about anymore. I don't know what they mean by cultural Marxism. These people have this weird view of Marxism that they think it means identity politics. From what I can tell, that it, they think it means some sort of applying, uh, which is nothing, nothing in Marx actually talks about like, like racial reparations and shit. Like it's so crazy. Yeah. <sighs> 
Yeah, they think socialism means no private property whatsoever. And this is just not fucking true. We're talking about the ownership of the means of production being in the hands of the people. I don't even... I Trying to explain what I think they think it, it means. What I, th- what I think they think they believe is hard. Because, <laughs> like, it just doesn't comport with reality and shit. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I really like Ben Burgess uh, watching his shit on YouTube. Because he's, like, a philosophy professor that will tell you, like, I, I watched him do, like, a breakdown of Jordan Peterson the other day. There's also a wisecrack. They have a philosophy uh, uh, major professor. I don't know what he is. Maybe he's got a doctorate. But uh, he did a whole breakdown of Jordan Peterson too. Fucking love that shit. Because like, he's just saying nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Like if you know what he's talking about. If you know the the what the words he's using actually mean... What he says makes no sense. But if you're a dumb person, I guess Jordan Peterson sounds smart to you. He's using some big words and he says them with confidence. Not anywhere near his bailiwick. Word of the day, bitches. <laughs> That's a callback to earlier. Uh, Don Bullduck actually used the word bailiwick and we all gave him props for it. Just because it's a fun word. Just because it's a fun word. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't have much more to do, but I'll, oh, we're going to do the Rush Limbaugh thing. We're gonna, since we're going to do the Rush Limbaugh thing, I'll have to take a commercial break. All right, for those of you on Twitch, if you're not subscribed, you should totally subscribe. You should go hit up the Patreon, and I'm going to start putting like more and more and more shit on the Patreon. I've been neglecting the Patreon. You, you get access to some old-school freak shows. You, got, you get access to a whole slew of, of freaking newses you, you haven't had access before. And I need to start putting my notes back up there. I was putting my daily notes on there. I'll get back on that. So value on the on the Patreon, the highest tier is five fucking dollars. If you really want to support me, go sign up one dollar on Patreon. Sub on the sub on the Twitch. But like, I don't want anybody to miss any content, so we're gonna take one of my little commercial breaks. I'm gonna hit the Twitch commercials. Nobody misses out on anything when we come back. First, we're gonna hear from Bo Burnham, who apparently fucking had a killer rant. That has went viral, and I want to play it for you guys. And then after that, we're going to listen to Rush Limbaugh's Rush Limbaugh's wife. As a conservative, it's getting harder and harder to not look like a kook. You said that in 2020. I was thinking that shit back in like 2003. We're going to hear Rush Limbaugh's wife on with Glenn Beck. And it's kind of long. I don't know how much we'll get into. Smokey's trying to hop up here. Say hey, Smokesters. I always try to get him meow into the microphone because he's very vocal, but he won't say anything when I'm holding him like that for some reason. But all that and more on the other side of the break here on the Troll Patrol. 
live. Gwyneth Paltrow is one of the biggest stars on earth. An actress, a singer, an author, an entrepreneur. She is an Academy Award winner and owner of a successful lifestyle brand, albeit with a questionable name. Why then is she stealing her ideas from a barely known comedian from Appalachia? Earlier this year, Paltrow launched her This Candle Smells Like My Vagina product under her... (laughs) Goop (laughs) brand. There's just one little issue, Miss Paltrow. I came up with the idea for Pussy Candles back in 2013. It's from my stand-up comedy routine, Pussy in the Morning, where I coined the concept of a vagina-scented perfume I called Eau de Toit. The next line in that routine goes a little something like this. And that inspired me to create a scented candle, which also looks like a vagina and smells like a turned-on vagina. So you burn it, you get the smell of the vagina, and then after it's finished, it looks like a freshly fucked pussy, all floppy and sloppy. So, since Miss Paltrow is clearly infringing on an idea I had that long predates her product, I would like a cut of that $75 she's charging for her ripped-off cunt candle. Please donate to my legal fund by visiting my Patreon. Show this bougie liberal elitist that she can't steal her ideas from the hard-working people of America's heartland. And I will use the money from that settlement to bring affordable pussy-scented candles to market. Available to all the masses, not just Elton John. Elton John? Why does he like the smell of pussy? Still working out some of the kinks there. Still working out some of the kinks. <laughs> Means I'm able to predict the future like the writers. Of the show. Okay, watching that, I sat down just in time to see one of the clips of me uh, doing stand-up, and I had a cigarette in my hand. I'm like, wow! That feels like a whole nother lifetime. I haven't been a smoker in years. 
Like, to, like it, it turns my stomach now. Like, I can't even, like, be around people smoking. I hate that as a, as a former smoker. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to be like, hey, can you not smoke that around me? Because, like... <laughs> Back when I was a smoker, I would have been like, oh, oh, I don't care. I'm out, I'm out here. We're out in the wide open. But man, as a non-smoker now, like, it makes my stomach turn. The weed. I've got weed left, but I've been I've been saving, like, my, my real weed. I've been smoking on some resonant scraps. Like, I keep a whole, <laughs> like, this is a jar of resin I pull out of my bongs. And like half smoked bowls that I'll fucking clean out. <laughs> so it's a weird goo, but also like it'll get you hot. <laughs> when I, you know what I mean when I say non smoker. I don't smoke tobacco products. Well, I. Yeah, yeah, frugal, and it's like, you know, I want to get off the stream and, like, chill out and have a real bowl and shit. Whereas on the stream, like, uh, my adrenaline's pumping. And, like, I'm feeling more adrenaline than any of the pot that I smoke, right? Because, like, I'm really into doing this shit. I've been been in broadcasting 22 years now, 20, 23 years. I'm not going to drink no fucking bong water. Okay, I will drink bong water if you guys get me to like a million subscribers on YouTube. Get a thousand patrons, I'll drink some fucking bong water. That's probably never going to (laughs) happen. Tell me something that's strange from your personal life. I owe you guys another meme. We come back from a commercial break, I owe you a meme. Let me, let me, let me get one of those. Please, Tones, while you're, while you're telling your story, I'll find us a meme. Uh, this isn't really a meme. This is just kind of, you know, a statement, a scene from a scene from Rick and Morty, and it's true. God damn it, when did this shit become the default? Why? Okay, okay. Tones. This is like when I did the story about Oz drinking his piss. Like, why are you smelling your piss? Oh, Mox, have you not? Uh, do you not watch Rick and Morty? He's in a prawn universe or a, a shrimp universe or whatever the fuck he was supposed to be. Because it's it's there's a multiverse, right? So like infinite realities, so he can jump around to different universes, different uh, timelines, and he's in a. Don't remember the setup, but somehow his consciousness kept kept rebooting into uh, a different timeline every time he he got killed and kept getting rebooted into uh, like fascist timelines. He's like, God damn, when did this shit become the default? Jesus, why are you? Why is your piss smelling so bad that you smell it when you're like? Feet away from it as you're taking a piss. Well, I don't know how short you are. Perhaps you have, perhaps you have a small torso and you're only a few inches away from your piss. Well, I'm a couple of feet, my friend. <sighs> also, it probably smells like cat piss in here most of the time. So, as if I would even notice.
even know if I've eaten at Popeye's, but that goes back to the... I didn't know if I'd eat... I, like, I didn't think I'd ever eaten at Bojangles, and Sparkles was like, you have had Bojangles with me twice. <sighs> Well, I've, I've, I've smelled other people's pee because I, you know, reasons. <laughs> you know. You live in sexual anarchy? A strain of cat piss? I don't know what you mean, a strain of cat. It smells like cat piss in here because we have five litter boxes and seven cats now. This little one makes seven. <laughs> because reason. <laughs> yeah, reasons. So that's why it smells like cat piss in here. That's just something. I'm, I apologize for that, Nine Tails. Like. I live out in the country in Tennessee and it just smells like piss out here. It's just a it's just a pissy smelling place. Well don't push it, Tones. Like you may you may be a little overbearing. Give it a little give her a little space. I am not the I am not the person to ask uh, relationship advice for. Fucking mother goddamn fucker coming in here singing like Christmas carols and shit. Keep your Christmas shit in December. Oh, is it is it a type of uh is it a type of weed? Well damn. It's a sativa too. Super silver haze. Well damn. That shit sounds good. There's cheetah piss too. Isn't that what uh, Charlie Sheen was drinking? Cheetah piss? Hey, QAnon fucks. That's what the the rich aren't uh, drinking the adrenochrome. They're drinking cheetah piss. Why don't you go try some? Go, Go track down a cheetah. See if you can get the piss in a cup for you. I highly encourage it. Battle Opossum, do you even know what strain you've been growing? I was on crack. Right. Right. <laughs> well- I don't know. I don't know why I hit that one. Are you just growing random seeds, you had? Oh, green crack. Um, I did crack a few times. I didn't like it. I've done crack. Too many people around me have have offered me crack. I need to. I need to be around better better people. Oh, they all went male. I need to be around better people. Apparently, green crack is a is a great strain. Apparently.
Mushrooms are one of my favorite fucking things in the world. I once knew this guy. He grew mushrooms for like chefs and shit. Right? Like he was he was growing the the high dollar mushrooms, but he also knew how to grow some fucking magic mushrooms. And those motherfuckers were the best. I have. They were better than any acid I've had. I've had I've had a lot of acid. I've had a lot of mushrooms. Those mushrooms were better than all the acid I've ever had. They were fan-fucking-tastic. I did them with a friend who was an old head. Like, a, a would, would, would go around to Grateful Dead concerts, was totally an old head. He was about 10, 15 years older than me. She said they were the best mushrooms she'd ever had. Better than any acid she'd ever had. Uh, so... When we did them, she was she was with me. The we did them a couple different times. So this is the first time we did them, though. Can't 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 really get them anymore because the dude is totally a Trump supporting whack job. Totally like I like I totally lost touch with him throughout over the years. But um, the first time we did them, she went immediately to the toilet. In my, I was, I was still, at, I, I was in grad student housing at a college. It was a little small, like efficiency apartment. So you walked in. There's my bed. There's my TV, a desk, small little kitchenette set with a refrigerator, and then the bathroom. Very, very, very small. She's in there in the in the bathroom. She hugs the toilet the whole fucking night. She doesn't feel like she's she's. And we only did like an eighth, maybe did a quarter. I don't know. Probably a quarter, I guess, if she got that sick. Um, my buddy comes over. My buddy my buddy Chip comes over. And, like, I'm listening. I'm, I'm playing music, but I'm also, like, and I have party lights and shit in my, my apartment. And I'm just, like, wild, wild. And I'm talking his ear off. Dancing to fucking Radiohead and different Pink Floyd songs and, and electronic pop music. And he was like, is Michelle okay in there? And Michelle was like, I'm fine, Chip. I was like, she's fine. She's having the time of her life. She just can't come in here with me where I'm like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Oh, it made you grind your teeth. That is not fun. Also, there appears to be something wrong with this, uh, the Friday Night Freak Show promo. And it causes some weird thing to happen on screen. Right there. I gotta go fix that. Igloo, good evening, my friend. So, minor tweaks I gotta make to all this shit. But so far, so good. Everything seems to work. Alright, we got a couple more things we're gonna cover on tonight's show. We've already done the news. We did the debate. We did the Brandon speech. Just cause we're gonna do these next two things. Uh, the first one is super based. No content warning for this. This is Bo Burnham. And I I just saw a piece of the transcript. I've not heard the speech, but uh, apparently he knocks it out of the park. They're coming for every second of your life. That That's what these companies are coming to. This company as well. And it's not because anyone is bad. It's not because anyone in this company has evil plans or is trying to do this. They're not even doing it consciously. It's because these companies like Twitter and uh, YouTube and Instagram, everything, they went public and they went to shareholders. So they have to grow. 
Their entire models are based off of growth. They cannot stay stagnant. YouTube, uh, Twitter grossed four or five billion dollars last year. It is in the red. It is unprofitable. It has to get more of you. No matter how nice it's trying to be, it is all that they're trying to get more engagement from you. We, the, we used to colonize land. That was the thing you could expand into. And that's where money was to be made. We colonized the entire earth. There was no other place for the businesses and capitalism to expand into. And then they got deep sea attention that we can now, they are now trying to colonize every minute of your life. That is what these people are trying to do. Every single free moment you have is a moment you could be looking at your phone and they could be gathering information to target ads at you. That that's what's happening. So like as much as we can, you know, as have really good conversations and try to humanize uh, the conversations, the like mechanism of the business is, is, rolling towards that just because of the market so like it, it's coming it, it's coming for every free second you have um and that's dark that's really really dark and scary and for someone like me i i grew up a little bit on the internet um and i i felt the repercussions of it i suffer from anxiety um so i know where it leads and i'm saying like you don't want this trust me like you're not going to feel good about yourself and you know it the kids know it like the whole joke on the internet is everyone's like this place sucks right i mean like that's like kind of the thing they're that's why their yep. memes are all ironic and detached and self-referential and hmm. 12 layers deep because truth <laughs> is completely dead to them and they know it they look at the president they look at the culture they go what the hell is this they look at like coca-cola commercials that are winking at them and smiling and they go like forget it you know so like ugh, i have no idea what's gonna happen <laughs> but uh, I agree with a hell of a lot of that sentiment. Thank you, Bro Burnham. You put it very well. I also read a thing last night about how the homogenization of content, like YouTube, even like trying to shape my content to be more like other people's content. I've even given into it somewhat. <laughs> Just forcing it to be more like everything else. That's why you see all the blockbusters, the blockbuster movies. They all follow the same uh, pattern. You see all the, the songs on the radio, the top pop songs, all start sounding more and more like each other. Because while in some ways this landscape has given some people, like myself, uh, a platform that I would have never had as a uh, someone from one of the poorest areas of the world in eastern Kentucky. The fucking MMOs and video, fucking video games. Fuck it, the homogenization of video games. The Ubisoft style. Of just cramming as much content as you can, fetch quests and shit. It became so pervasive. Everybody was tired of it. But that's what—that's still what sells games. That's what sells movies. That's what sells music. Sucks. That's what Drake is popular. <laughs> oh god damn. We don't have originals anymore. We don't have the OGs. Trailblazers like Rush fucking Limbaugh. Rest in piss, motherfucker. So this is the Glenn Beck program. And uh, music lovers all across the bountiful and optimistic fruited plain. 
It's the Rush Limbaugh program here on the Excellence in Broadcasting Network. And greetings to you, thrill seekers, conversationalists. Catherine Adams Limbaugh. Let me just explain who she is. She was born. Please tell me which of Rush's wives she she is. Which order did she come in? Massachusetts, she is a direct descendant from the Mayflower, direct lineage to John and uh, and John Quincy Adams. Catherine uh, has traveled to and lived in over 40 countries on five continents, originally due to her mother's career as an American diplomat and her father's international business career following graduation from the Naval Academy. Throughout her youth, Catherine gained vast, well-rounded experiences, routinely representing the United States abroad, liaisoning with uh, heads of state, ambassadors, and high-ranking military officers, while also witnessing human suffering firsthand, including extreme poverty and disease. Early on, Catherine made it a lifelong mission to help others in times of crisis, encourage people to reach their highest potential. At 15... She taught English as a volunteer while living in a remote country in West Africa. She translated for American military doctors who would set up field hospitals on uh, on missions and raise funds for underprivileged. I'm going to go ahead and run the ad break. We'll see if he's done introducing her by the time it's finished. Children leading to a national recognition as Foreign Service Teen of the Year. She yeah, but which is, uh, wife was also she? Also, the co-author of the number one New York Times best-selling "Adventures of Rush Revere" American history book series. Um, she also has been a major player and led major productions, um, part of significant charitable efforts, including Nelson Mandela Invitational hey, in South Africa, here. the stand-up for Betsy God Ross it, campaign Kat. with her husband, which raised over five million dollars for families of first responders. And, of course, she has donated, uh, along with uh, her Family Now Foundation, millions. I thought I was joking. Like, hold on, the ads. Two minutes remaining. ...of dollars affected by cancer, illness, and hardship. She was the one who told us on February 17th, 2021, that her husband had passed away. She also said that... um, his legacy would continue, and she is doing that in a couple of ways. She is uh, presenting the first ever American Patriot Scholarship in honor of Rush, and uh, she's supporting American <laughs> military heroes, police, first responders, and Gold Star families through their foundation. She is also. Oh, you just got an eight-second one, probably because I just ran uh, an ad. Sorry, uh, Rush's brother, David, uh, have put together a um, a book, Radio's Greatest of All Time. Catherine, welcome. Hello, Glenn. Goodness, what an introduction! That that certainly wasn't from the New York Times. I don't believe. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find out which wife she is. I think they have a different version. You but. know, I I was reading I was reading your bio and I thought it, 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 this is this is um, hard to say, strange to say, but truly a uh, an equal to Rush. As far as the last wife. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I don't know if I can agree in in full, but thank you. I I truly appreciate it very, very much. So the name greatest of all radio's greatest of all time. Is it true that that's what it says on his death certificate? As he is certainly not radio's greatest of all time as someone who has been in radio his entire career. I take that as a fucking insult. 
fuck no, he's not the greatest of all time. I don't. I would have to think on it. I would definitely put Wolfman Jack, Casey Kasem, far above Rush Limbaugh. I'd have to think on some old school uh, uh, radio personalities and really put it into perspective. There is no way that Rush Limbaugh is the greatest radio personality of all time. You can go fuck all the way off. (laughs) Yes, we have to be on brand at all times. (laughs) Very important. Very important. Straight from start to finish. But but yes, it it does. Another thing that we wanted to do in a way to to tweak the media as a final... Al Franken was a better radio host than Rush Limbaugh. Oh my God. Someone put that through. (laughs) Ironically. That is so... It is an insult to all of us in the radio yes, business. It, it, Fuck it off, woman. So, so fantastic. Uh, <laughs> under occupation, radio's yeah. greatest of all time. Um, I was there um, in the Capitol the night he got the um, the uh, president. Oh, fuck, fuck. I'll put Howard above Rush Limbaugh. Hands down, Howard Stern above Rush Limbaugh. Uh, Opie and Anthony. I'll put Opie and Anthony. I was a fan above Rush Limbaugh. Fuck you. Fuck you, Glenn Beck. Potential Freedom Award. Um, and uh, he always struck me. I mean, he was he was Bill. on the air, you know, on loan from God. But he always Crossfire me X. a very humble person in real life. And I could see that that really deeply moved him that night. You know, he really was. He was incredibly brilliant and incredibly kind. Paul Harvey, a better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. But I believe one of his attributes that we all love the most was he was so humble. He had the biggest heart. He was so... He wasn't humble at all. He called his own production company the Excellence in Broadcasting Radio Network. Dr. Demento was better than Rush Limbaugh. Thank you, Merkin. He had a golden fucking microphone. The motherfucker was... No, no, no. I've got I've to show you guys this shit. She has the audacity to call him fucking humble. My God! Named his own production company the Excellence in Broadcasting Radio Network. Let me just pull up the, the instead of saving a picture. That's his golden microphone, EIB. That was his production company. And it's 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 not like it's not like that was uh you know after he had earned it here he is like a young man on the EIB radio network with his golden fucking microphone, the furthest fucking thing from humble, ma'am. Sincere, he never forgot the little guy. He never became too big, and he never thought of himself 
as Rush Limbaugh. We the name Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. He he did on the radio, but but not not in real life, so to speak. He always tried to have a better show the next day. He never thought that he accomplished the peaks that he did. Um, he always was working so incredibly hard. And so, I want to yes, know what he accomplished. What great moment? What great him. moment? of the Rush Limbaugh show is seared into the zeitgeist of popular culture that you can refer to. He was the butt of fucking jokes. Anytime anyone wanted to mock a stupid blowhard right-winger, they used a Rush Limbaugh-style character. I was very surprised by it. We were actually in Boston. Don Imus was a better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. Was out and now he could go about his medical mission, so to speak. And so we left for Boston right after that announcement that day. And there was a call from the president. Kid Craddock was supposed to be going into surgery. Was a better really fucking radio personality than Limbaugh. <laughs> we thought, oh, <laughs> yeah. well, we don't quite. And even he even stole or... <laughs> he even stole the symbol from Bugatti. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. Absolutely, that looks exactly like the the EIB symbol. Yeah, <laughs> the mindset, but but he was so incredibly touched, so honored, so thrilled. It, it meant everything to him, literally. Did he know that that was coming? Did, did was it told to him in Remediate the White House? Remediate his image. Was that great the word dude. that we all saw? Was that the moment he knew? That was the moment that he knew is going to be presented to him there. He didn't know. No, no, that's wrong. We know that's false. We know he knew he was getting the the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and that was 100% staged. We know that for a fact. She is even lying. She is even lying to uh, Glenn Beck's audience, straight to their, their ears. When we flew up, he didn't know when the president was calling that morning. He only knew earlier in in the White House when we spoke with President Trump and their immediate family, who were deeply appreciative, too, of course. But that moment, he didn't know that it was going to be awarded then and there. So everything came okay, in so, okay. rapid fire, and his emotions were— Maybe a little too quick. So she is saying that he knew beforehand, but he didn't know that— Trump was going to do it at that time. Fair enough. So sincere. He was actually not feeling well at all that evening. He was going into a pretty significant surgery the next day. So just being there. Night, Fuzzy Face. Thank you for being here. Be there. But having that awarded to him where it was in the forum that it was. Yeah, the rest of the show is bullshit. Everything. You're not going to miss any he, news. He was a, just a young boy from Maybe Missouri, a kitten. as he often said. He's, he wanted to be on the radio from the time he was eight. And I fucking hate this ass shot at Glenn Beck he here we've got. What the fuck is up with this? Freedom in that forum. Uh, you know, his, um, I think Rush was... Um, he felt the same right, way I feel about my audience, and not every host feels this way. They're like family, and because you get to know each other, while we're you, at a you guys are leaving, you're going to get a later. Don't really get to know the listener. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. We kind of know because if they've been with us for a long time, we know that they've you know they're self-selecting, so they're they're kind of like us, you know. 
Um, how hard was it and how long did he have to hide this from people that he was so sick? It was, it, it was really a surprise to him. He really didn't have symptoms like other people may. So he didn't find out until late January and he announced this in early February. He didn't Kill Mead is more to, riveting. He didn't have to carry it too long. But how did, how did he Kill know what, why, what made him go to the doctor? Worse than watching paint dry. Actually, Rush is better than Kill Mead. I'm sorry. Birthday and he didn't mention Poor it. Poor Lord, good evening. Husbands are wait, wait, not. wait. Shouldn't you be in bed? He wasn't particularly feeling well. We were celebrating his birthday, and the very next day, he started to have difficulty breathing. He was having a heaviness in his chest. He had pain in the back of his shoulder, and I said, you know, this could be related to the heart because he had had a, a heart issue at one point. So I, I said to him, you know, we really should fly and see your your doctor. We were flying. Oh, you meant uh, kill me more evening than going back? And, hmm. um, I might have to give you that one. And in there that it, it wasn't the heart and that it was going to need a battery. But I, I am definitely not liking this ass shot we have from Ben. I do not know. In- I did, Bubba the Love Sponge was better, and I absolutely hate Bubba the Love Sponge, but he was a better radio personality than fucking Rush Limbaugh. Kid Craddock was a better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. Both Bob and Tom and John Boy and Billy, better radio personalities than Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I could go on and on. Amos and Andy were better radio personalities than Rush Limbaugh. Orson Welles, hands down, was a better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. Ah, the reverse thread. Good evening. Ah, oh, now come on, Mox. Come on. Uh, Bob and... And I think they're still fucking going. I think they still fucking do that show. The Yeah Toast thing. I can't remember which comedian did that. Uh, yeah Toast! <laughs> that song still cracks me up. But only the only reason I'm familiar with with Bob and Tom is because I work for a station that had Bob and Tom on in the morning. So if I had to go out in the station van, I'd listen to Bob and Tom. But if I was going on a long trip, I'd take CDs. I wouldn't even listen to one of our stations. <laughs> Fuck that. Who want, who wants to fucking listen to the radio? This is the news director of nine radio stations. I'm done. I can't do anymore, and I can't take this ass shot. What the fuck is up with this ass shot from Glenn Beck? We made it ten minutes in, and five minutes of that was Glenn Beck's introduction for Catherine Limbaugh. Well, clinically, this was back in, like, 2006, 2007, so I still had, like, CD books. We had MP3 players and shit, but, like, they weren't as, you know... You couldn't just Bluetooth to your stereo. I still had a CD player in my truck, and I don't think, like... Phones didn't... weren't able to, like, keep music on them yet. You didn't have an MP3 player in your pocket, so you would you would have to like go buy a specialty MP3 player. I think I had one of those when I was in college too. I had an MP3 player with an aux cable. 
I totally control uh, my music. I'm a, I'm a music snob, and also I like I fucking hate radio songs. The first, yeah, yeah, one of the first MP3 players that we had, like you know, fucking 56 megabytes or some shit on it. I remember my buddy had one. He had an aux cable for his first car. This was back in, like, I was downloading shit off of Napster. I mean, it may have held five fucking songs on it. May have held five fucking songs, if that. And I remember we kept... Uh, he had a remix of uh, Outcast Rosa Parks with, like, the Sanford and Son theme. And he was riding it around in this old uh, Chrysler that uh, it was a convertible, and we would listen to the, the fucking Outcast with the Sanford and Son theme remixed. <laughs> in the fucking convertible. That was like... Maybe not high school. That might have been like 18 or 19. Held one goddamn Tool song. Yes. As a music snob, that's why I had a CD player in my truck with, you know, uh, one of the first major... <laughs> uh... The first time a credit card company sent me a credit card and it had like it had like a fifteen hundred dollar limit, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go put fucking speakers in my truck, put a whole CD player, speakers in my truck, subwoofers and shit. It would have been about two thousand four, two thousand five. I don't think I ever paid that credit card off. I don't think I ever even paid a payment on it. Maybe I don't remember now. It's been so long ago. Oh, and I got I got XM. I had XM in that truck too. I got the works, baby. But I love talk radio. Tom Hartman. Tom Hartman, a much better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. Much more my style too. Also, you guys probably would if you've listened to Tom Hartman. He's very calm. He's very informative. Fit right in on an NPR. He's he's on Democracy Now a lot. Uh, if you don't know him from his radio show, you probably know him from Democracy Now. Fucking Tom's still going. Uh, I usually put him on... I, I've read several of Hartman's books, including The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight. Uh, um, I read uh, fucking Threshold. It was about Maslow's thresholds and how we were... I fucking love Tom Hartman. Is he a Russian shill now? Don't hit me with that, reverse threat. I haven't heard anything... Because, like, I still pop on, uh, usually it's, I put Tom Hartman on when I'm, like, laying down and going to sleep. I listen to Sam Cedar, uh, debate libertarians when I want to get riled up. Uh, Sputnik, great, I mean, that's possible. I like Lee Camp, he's on RT. I, I don't think he's, uh... A Russian shill just because he's on RT. Was on RT. Well, I mean, RT America is not a thing anymore, apparently. But RT is still a thing, isn't it? Or was it just an American outlet? I thought it was a whole, like, international, uh... Uh, organization. 
But also, I haven't get like I don't know what's up with fucking Lee Camp. I haven't because uh, I'd follow him on Twitter, but I keep getting banned on Twitter. I need to go back and follow him. Always really liked the dude, but maybe he's he could be in the Brianna Joy Gray kind of category now. For all I know. That's what I was thinking. It was like an international. It's Russia's propaganda arm for Western. Like, it's trying to be like Al Jazeera, I would assume. <clears throat> and have multiple bureaus, but like, there is no RT America because of the you know, sanctions over Ukraine. Which, and you know, I feel sorry for several personalities that I, I assume got the shaft on that, such as Lee Camp. Hazzy, I need to catch up on that. I need to go follow him on uh, YouTube things. I always really enjoyed him. I so like... Brianna Joy Gray has completely turned me off now. I am totally like... The dude she interviewed the other day was like, I can't believe this interviewer did this to me on on Twitter. <laughs> And I was like, well, her podcast is called Bad Faith, so kind of what did you expect? But I, I used to really like her, and I don't know what the fuck happened to her. He was not happy at all. Oh, and Tom Hartman left RT? I didn't even know he was on RT. I, like, I knew he made appearances on, like, Democracy Now! and shit. David fucking Feldman. Oh, shit. I will definitely, I will definitely listen to Lee Camp on David Feldman. I bet that is fucking excellent. Thank you, Merkin. (laughs) Oh, fucking, I love Feldman's stick. I just, I don't, I don't get the... Uh, I don't get the... Tom Hartman is usually, like, spot the fuck on. Oh, yeah, does it, like... Well, I'm sure it was just the Tom Hartman show was being, uh, like, farmed out to RT, right? Because, like, there's different sections of it. There's a podcast version, and then, like, his his show airs in different places. Because he's, like, he's a syndicated radio host. Ron and Fez were both better uh, radio personalities than Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) Oh, fucking shit. But damn it, like, I don't know who I would... I would have to think on who is the best radio personality of all time, the greatest, as they put it. It was definitely not Rush Limbaugh. I probably would go with Casey Kasem. That might be that might be who I would be inclined to say without a you know further thinking on it. Maddox, oh my God, that's a name I haven't heard. That's a name, fucking Jason Ellis. Oh, Mad Al. Mad Al's old Air America show. Apparently, it's a lot better than what she's doing on MSNBC, but also one like, Ooh, yeah. I don't watch what's going on on MSNBC. Blue Devil. Oh, yeah, we totally said Stern was better than Rush Limbaugh. 
Pretty much every radio personality who's ever existed is better than Rush Limbaugh. My old program director, Randy Jones, was better than Rush Limbaugh. Oh my god, okay, so, um, god, what was that dude's name? His name was Johnny, but I don't remember his last name. His real name was like Johnny Lichtenhauer or some shit, and he was the corporate program director at a station I worked at. I don't remember what his on-air name was. But he used to tell us that Johnny Fever from WKRP in Cincinnati was based off of him. And thanks to the wonders of the internet, I know that's fucking not true. But even that dude who was lying about Johnny Fever being based off of him was better than Rush Limbaugh. Oh shit! Yes, well, in terms of uh, in terms of influence, Rush Limbaugh was highly influential, and uh, in terms of the modern Republican Party and the more modern conservative movement, I'm not familiar with Jeff and Flash, but I'm almost positive they're better than Rush Limbaugh. Whoever was the whoever was the lead character on the show that Joe Rogan first got famous from, like the ABC, the news radio thing. Whoever the lead character was on that show, better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. Fraser fucking Crane, a better radio personality than Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> okay, reverse thread. Uh, Jason Ellis just freaks me out anytime I see what he looks like. Yeah, Phil Hartman was was the lead character, wasn't he? Phil Hartman was amazing. I miss Phil Hartman so much. It is a shame what we were deprived of uh, because his wife murdered him or his girlfriend or whoever the fuck murdered him. I goddamn loved Phil Hartman. This is Troy McClure. You may remember me from such films as... His work on Saturday Night Live. He might have died naturally by now, but my God, we were deprived of a good 15, 20 years. Chonky tattoo Jason Statham. That sounds wild. Oh, that's what you're describing, uh, uh, Jason Ellis, yeah. I used to listen to Jason Ellis when I was working on the road. And he had some bit where he made some dude suck a dildo. And he, like, he had a gag reflex and he couldn't actually, like, he was trying to make him suck it for, like, 30 seconds or some shit. I'm like, this is the type of radio I'm totally into. Other than the fact that, you know, I, I try to be informative here on this show. Hey, Smokey. Oh, the microphone couldn't pick that up. Talk to him some more. Okay, he wants. 
Ow! Tones, I appreciate you trying to give out the gift subs. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with your, with your credit card. I can't answer those, those questions. I don't know if Twitch has some kind of limit. I appreciate the effort, though. I'm sorry I didn't have more news for you guys. Not. I think we did plenty of news in between Biden and the debate and all that good shit. You know what? I might have to come back and play. Uh, we Monday night for Halloween, I did the Dark Pictures anthology. Well, we did Five Nights at Freddy's first, and that scared the shit out of me. It was good for the jump scare the first time. Trying to keep people down. Trying to keep tones from, from funding independent content. I may have to come back and... Because I really got into that Dark Pictures anthology. The Little Hope with the Don Cheadle dude in the bar. Really enjoyed that game. I want to see where that goes. Was the little girl a vampire? Was she a witch? They were alluding to like fucking witches in Salem and shit. But also, like, there were, like, bite marks on people's necks. And then the fog, there was fog that caused people, like, if you walked in one direction, it would send you back the other direction. So I don't, I don't know what the fuck was going on with that game, and I'd kind of like to find out. And the, and the professor was a dick. Might well, come back on and play some dark pictures later. What is tonight, Wednesday? Is it Wednesday already? God damn. We're less than a week away from the 2022 midterm elections. I haven't decided what time I'm going to come on yet. For the 2020 presidential election, we came on at 420. Not going to be any news until we get closer to the actual time that the Troll Patrol comes on. Maybe come on at 7. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to think about this, but of course it's going to be a big night. We've got a Trump rally this weekend. We'll cover a Trump rally on Saturday leading into the... Apparently Biden's got a rally too. Maybe we'll do double rallies. Who the fuck knows? i tell you what I need to do when I get off here. I need to make a promo for the fact that Nine Tells Cosmic Fox is going to be my special guest co-host this Friday on the, on the Friday Night Freak Show. And I don't have a picture I want to have a picture with her lovely face on it to show you. And I need to get on that. So I guess, I guess I'm going to go find, <laughs> I'm probably going to listen to Lee Camp on with David Feldman because it's going to be hilarious. Wednesday night, it should be time to fire up the intellectual Dollar Tree. November, maybe they're already decorating the intellectual Dollar Tree. Uh, if you are watching on Twitch, we're heading over to Echoplex Media. Unfortunately, it looked like he had Elon Musk on screen, so I apologize in advance for that. Producer Dave, HK, take real good care of you. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'll even show up for Red Light later on tonight. It's been a little bit since I've been on with Producer Dave. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before we hit the sack. I'm Justin Freegan. We will see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol live.